top of the hour news. As it happens, when it happens, wherever it happens. Local, regional, and global. Only on Q95, the big station. Q95DA.com. Right on Q. Good evening. This is the prime evening news for today. I'm your presenter, Richie Farrell. Here are the headlines. Dominica Association of Evangelical Churches President and Pastor Randy Charlesworth Rodney speaks to China's control over churches in China and their Belt and Road Initiative. Former West Indies Captain St. Lucian Darren Sammy believes the Black Lives Matter movement gave the West Indies team extra motivation to win the first test against England, it has been reported. And stocks are off to a mixed start on Wall Street following weakness in overseas markets as investors fret over new shutdowns in California to fight the spread of coronavirus infections. These are our headlines. The news brought to you compliments West Indies Communications Enterprise Limited. First stop in the news. Former Attorney General Bernard Wiltshire reminds persons of the bloody history of our ancestors who paved the way for our modern-day freedom. Reciting pages of history in a poetic yet factual manner, he shared with listeners the legacy of one of Dominica's ancestors and warriors, Maroon leader Chief Jacko. His readings came on July 12, 2020, the day dubbed as the July 12th movement, the day on which Chief Jacko passed. Mr. Wiltshire shared the last moments of Jacko's life, going out guns blazing and defiant as ever. The Maroons refused to surrender, and many were butchered as a result after a series of mock trials at that old market. It was in that desperate last stand that Jacko was shot, the bullet piercing through his left eye, and having shot at least three of his assailants, was preparing to shoot a fourth when he himself was shot. That showed the level of resistance which the Maroons of Dominico were prepared to put up to the end in the resistance, in the insistence on their freedom. It is to their death that Sturge was referring in that passage above. And it was an account of the spilling of their blood and the blood, sale, and torture of so many African Kalinago victims that, the well, that that well in the old market became poisoned to contemporaries. But for succeeding generations, it is in that very blood that the foundation of our freedom lies, the accompanying theme of our future. We need to embrace it in order to transcend its limitations. The physical death of the Maroons could not obliterate the fact of their existence. Neither did it kill the rewards of freedom and the Maroon mentality, says Bernard Wiltshire. We can see a parallel in this in what happened to South Africans, in how they use their struggle. That struggle has now become the myth of their beginning. It is true that the Maroons of Dominica were physically wiped out as a distinct group, but Maronage was not nor was the idea of freedom for which they died. In fact, as a result of their wars and other forms of slave resistance, slavery was abolished within a generation. The unfolding history of that idea of theirs of freedom and the drama of their life and death struggle to attain it is the moral combustion chamber of their cause and the foundation of their legacy to us. 
Their physical death could not obliterate the fact of their existence and the ultimate triumph of the cause for which they fought and died. Former Attorney General Bernard Wiltshire. According to Chinese ambassador to Dominica, Lu Kun, he is seeking to assure Dominicans that preparatory works will resume for the construction of an international airport for Dominica, adding that there are other projects on the cards for Dominica to include agriculture and the rehabilitation of six schools across Dominica. Lucan says these projects will resume as soon as the COVID-19 pandemic is brought under control. He made those statements at the commissioning of three West Bridges at Makushri, Batali and Point Round on 13 July 2020. China will continue very, very soon to build the agriculture complex building in Postman. This project is already passed by the Chinese government and also actually it's on the process of the getting bids for the construction company. So after finish the bidding procession, the Chinese government will send the, the company to Dominic very, very soon to start this project. Another very important project is the six schools destroyed by the Helicomania. Also, Chinese government will start this process. And uh, I should say, it also will be built, began to build very, very soon, these six schools. It's very, very important. Dr. Scarlett himself is very concerned about the, these projects, for the, especially for the students. And also, lastly and finally, you are most concerned about is the international airport. So after the COVID-19, the pand pandemic goes over. I think the Chinese government was saying that technical experts came to Dominic very, very, very soon. Because this project is also Prime Minister Dr. Scarlett very most concerned about it. Chinese ambassador to Dominica, Lu Kun. This is Q95 News. President of the Dominica Association of Evangelical Churches, DAEC, and pastor Randy Charlesworth Rodney has brought to light what he sees as a disturbing reality in the world today, carried out by the Chinese government, which he labeled as debt trap diplomacy. Rodney expressed concerns about the control as to the number of churches that are allowed to operate in China, which is currently at 20%. Rodney is also announcing that he will soon be leading protests in connection to this manipulative and strategic economic takeover of small developing states and poor countries in need of supplies and infrastructure. This is particularly for you Christian people, okay? In China today, in China today, the government in China is allowing churches, only 20% of churches to function. The rest of them have to do home church or underground church or hiding church. And the 20% church that they want people to follow are government-run churches in China today. Now, those of you who are ignorant of that need to search it for yourself. Here are the implications. The Chinese government has been loaning money to, to poor governments all over the world. And my understanding from my, from my reading is that there are one or two countries now that they have come to foreclose on. To foreclose means to say, you can't pay me the money you owe me, so I take in what you have for it. It's like the bank coming to you to say, I give you a loan to build a house. You can't pay me for the loan. I want the house back. Now, in that particular case, it's not the house they can take is the facility of the country. And once they give you a loan for your important areas in the country and you can't pay them back and they take it, it's like they take the country back. 
So if China give us an airport, China give us a hospital, China give us this and China give us that, and we can't pay back the loan, and they come back and huff them, it means that we come back now, we get to a place where we under China. Now, I want you all to understand that very, very well, because that's frightening. It is very frightening, and I want to frighten yourself. Now speaking to CNBC News on May 11th, 2020, Kaho Hu, senior Asia analyst at Verisk Maplecroft, said many countries under China's Belt and Road Initiative have borrowed heavily from China to invest in new projects. But the pandemic is disrupting economies and will complicate repayment plans, who told CNBC currently low-income countries under the BRI, that is, the Belt and Road Initiative, are already asking China for debt relief. China has had a track record of taking over assets. When countries indebted to it are not able to pay back their loans, it will be under pressure to extend those loans or even write them off, the analysts say. China's mammoth infrastructure investment plan, also known as the Belt and Road Initiative, BRI, is highly controversial and widely criticized around the world for saddling many countries with debt. Dominica's Prime Minister Roosevelt Garrett over the past 20 years of his administration in office has placed Dominica, which is a small developing state, into millions of dollars in alleged grants and loans through national projects. Dominica may have fallen prey to China's debt trap diplomacy, which is a strategy that is used by China to law or trap developing or underdeveloped countries like Dominica in the Caribbean to borrow money to be used for much needed infrastructure projects. So, so just imagine, we have a loan for this, a loan for that, a loan for the one another, and we are told some of the migrants, I'm not sure about that, I don't see no paper. And when I do see no paper, I, I, I am inclined to believe it's a loan. Okay? Now, when they seize those things and they take hold of your country, once they take hold of your country, with the number of Chinese we already have in Dominica, they more than us. Yes, now all of us becoming Chinese. Which means that they will also have the seat of governance, of power, of authority. Once they do have that seat of governance, of power, of authority, I wonder if you're thinking... What happens to the rest of the, the, the liberties in the nation? Because it's obvious that they will run any country the way they run their country. I want you to think about this. And I want you to know, my name is Randy Charles of Rodney. And Jack is here tonight, so I'm speaking on behalf of myself and Jack. And I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of Matthew Ogis. I want you all to know that when I begin to see, according to Obama, a smidging of this happening, all you'll have to kill me first, huh? because... I'll be doing some things that is unconventional. And those of you Christian people, let me tell you, I'll be protesting, even if it's me alone. I probably will start to protest soon, because once I get some information going, I'm going to start the protest just now, because I am of the view that once China gets its, its knee on our neck, it won't be for long. You understand? It took, them, it took the police eight minutes to kill George Floyd. It might take six. It won't be for long. And I want you all to think about that very, very serious. That was a little long, but uh, I trust you heard me well. President of the DAEC and Pastor Randy Charlesworth Rodney. This is Q95 News. Psychology major Milagro Charlemagne, also known as Miracle, shares her views on the impact that COVID-19 has had on the youth thus far. 
Though COVID-19 has impacted many persons, society hardly gets the chance to hear the side of the youth, especially as it relates to their educational hindrances, and as a result, those impacted the most seems to be less fortunate, says Miracle. She highlighted the struggle of the parent with the new adjustment to provide food. Presently, with online courses becoming more mandatory, households with only one PC or shared internet devices may find the transition to be a bit more arduous than some, all playing a significant and pivotal role on the strain of the youth's psyche. She was speaking on the youth segment of Civic Vibes program at the time of the statement. So, I think... Um the impact, however, was more severe for disadvantaged children in terms of um, causing interruptions during their learning. You know you go to school from such and such a time. You know you eat at such and such mm -hmm. a time. And right now that is completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. Think of compromised nutrition. Mommy has to have all seven children at home at the same time, feeding all the mouths at the same time when she could maybe tell big sister, well, look, $20, go to the canteen, and she'll maybe give your little sister a couple snacks from brighter days, tell her, look, here you go, mommy made that for you. We also have childcare issues because um, right now things are kind of getting back into, into place and into step, and um, a young child my age would have to play the role of a mother when her mother goes to work. So right now I have online classes, but I have to think of how to keep my four-year-old brother in place so that he is comfortable, he is fed, while also doing my course and not letting my teacher hear any interruptions in the background. Okay. So all of these things kind of need to take into account, especially the economic aspect. <clears throat> Some people have children who are close in age, right? Mm -hmm. Now, let's say Ellen and I are sisters. Mm -hmm. We have one year apart. Ellen has her own schedule. I have my own schedule, but we can buy one computer. There you go. We and can we buy one computer and we have to share it. My mother, my father, whichever guardian I'm living with is trying to make ends meet. And here it is that we are telling her, well, mommy, daddy, auntie, uncle, you have to buy two computers because Ellen wants to do her thing and I have to do my thing and I cannot, I cannot take it. That is putting a strain on families, causing even further frustration, which can really deter the mental health of all parties involved. Social activist and psychology major Milagro Charlemagne. Meanwhile, fellow activist and psych major Elaine Commodore says that learning quality is also affected as well. Also, while Milagro, sorry, file, file, was supposed to talk about. Um, while you're on the topic of all of that, and you mentioned teachers and students, the quality of learning is affected as well. Because I remember when Milagro and I were speaking about it, she was saying that. Um, um, some students learn better in a classroom setting and so forth and all of that. And the quality of learning is also affected because a subject like math, for example, the ends teachers will have to go to now to ensure that everybody understands long division, for example. Yes. Math is not my strong suit, so I understand that kind of thing. Or something like chemistry. I don't know what chemistry, but one thing my friends who did chemistry always complain about is moles. Ooh. I don't know what moles is, but I can just imagine how difficult it must be to learn about moles while your teacher is in Forseja and you in Maho and the internet not working right. or you have a test to do and at that point in time your computer crashed and all of that. And some people might be like, oh, that's something small, it's not relevant. But it's, it's the, the basis of the problem, it's the crux of the problem at hand because if your entire education syllabus or whatever you're doing is... Psychology major Elaine Commodore. Productivity consultant Parry Bellot has added his voice to the issue of liquidation of Liat 1974 Limited and the need for a replacement airline to service Dominicans and the interests of Caribbean tourists. 
Speaking to Q95 FM on Monday, Bellot said the proposal being offered by Antigua and Barbuda Prime Minister Gaston Brown to reboot LIAT 1974 Limited as LIAT 2020 Limited under similar guidelines and protocols will lead to the same issue of liquidation and millions of dollars in losses. A decision has been taken to liquidate LIAT. It's just the government can't continue to pump money into it every year, every other year kind of thing. So they've taken that decision. Gaston Brown wants to try and continue LIAT uh, more leaner, more, more efficient, you know, even profitable, he puts in his letter and so on. Because like we were concerned about when jobs left um, at Ross University, he's very concerned with the jobs lost to Antigua. So he wants to try and to let his people know he's trying to do to fight for LIAT to keep it going. But you can well understand, he was the most powerful person in LIAT for years and years. He wasn't chairman, but he controlled so much because he was the island where LIAT was based. And that was the problem. He would not agree to some of the things they were recommending. You may have heard about the idea for restructuring, for, 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 lay, for laying up some of the top management. People thought, you know, they were overstaffed in that area and so on. You know, he just kept things going that way. So our concern now was that we cannot allow the so-called newly act to be in Antigua under Gaston Brown. The same thing will happen. So it must be completely. But the main point is that that's like a medium-term plan. Right now, we need to quickly get another airline to service Dominica like Liat was doing. Bellot says he's aware that discussions are advanced between the Skerritt administration and six airline companies in efforts to select one or two which will take over flight services in and out of Dominica. That he's already started discussions with two. There are six options on the table. We would choose which ones offer the best deal for servicing the islands in the short term. And as the Prime Minister said, the discussions are pretty advanced. But the thing with me, there are a lot of people who do not want to go with them. Antigua again, especially Mia Martin and especially Ralph Gonzalez, those have had to deal with him. Mr. Skerritt appears to have a more friendly uh, and acceptable relationship with, with Gaston Brown, but he's not, as he said, he's looking away from Leah just at this point. But it will have to come into more discussion, because if Liat has to be liquidated and pay his debts and so on, there's going to have to be more meetings, and you know, but that's, you know, in a month, two months, maybe six months' time. But that's the issue. Whether we back Gaston Brown in trying to do a better liat, which more, nobody has confidence in, or trying for making sure we get our, our act together here to service Dominica. Productivity consultant Parry Bellot. Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt is now promising Dominicans that his DLP administration will ensure the construction of an international airport as his parting gift from office. The question is, will Dominicans be convinced of the sincerity of this regurgitated promise? Prime Minister Skerritt has made a bad name for himself by promising things that his administration could not deliver, although there have been projects which materialized, like the abattoir, the rehabilitation of the West Coast Road, the rehabilitation of the Goodwill Link Road, the Windsor Park Sports Stadium, and the rehabilitation of the three bridges leading out of Dominica's capital, among other basic road projects. The Prime Minister has been promising the construction of an international airport since 2013. On 16th October 2018, 
He said his government had started the process of land acquisition for the construction of an international airport in Dominica. Speaking at a town hall meeting in Canada at that time, he said it will cost the government about $60 million to acquire the land in the Woodford Hill Wesley area, and that landowners could have come forward to receive payments for their lands that would be acquired for the purposes of that airport. Some time later, Prime Minister Skerritt stated that the government had been saving an amount of U.S. $5 million every month towards the construction of an international airport from the proceeds of the Citizenship by Investment program, which he had been placing in a special international airport development fund, and assured Dominicans that this administration started the process of land acquisition. The Prime Minister went on to state, once we settle on the price today, within 48 working hours, you will get a check for your land because we want to ensure that the people whose land we will be purchasing, we can pay them in a quick time, adding that we are also conducting some more detailed geotechnical studies because we have to have a better appreciation for the soil type there. In that same year, 2018, Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt said his government signed a contract for about U.S. $2 million with an American firm to carry out the studies and to advise on the detailed drawings for the international airport. However, as stated before, the construction of an international airport has long been spoken about in Dominica, and this is not the first time that this administration has made public pronouncements about it. In November 2013, during a visit to China, Prime Minister Skerritt said he signed a U.S. $300 million deal with Chinese company ASCG with construction of an international airport among projects to be undertaken under the agreement. The following month of December 2013, the Prime Minister told Dominicans that engineers from China were in Dominica to visit the construction site proposed at Compton Point near Kalibishi so as to provide advice to the government of Dominica. Then, at a Dominica Labour Party rally on May 5, 2014, Dominica's Prime Minister said his government was actively pursuing several projects, including the construction of an international airport through the boot, build, own, operate and transfer option with a team of private developers from China. Later that same month, Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt led a three-man delegation to China to advance discussions on the construction of an international airport and other development projects. Upon his return from China, PM Skerritt told reporters that good progress was being made on the project and a document would soon be made available to the public about the details. However, such a document was never made public to the media. In March 2017, the Prime Minister spoke to a group of students from the Northeast Comprehensive School and promised them the airport will be built in the northeastern part of the island. He then said that this time, an American firm was engaged to do all of the studies in relation to the international airport and would be doing a presentation to the cabinet on 21st of April 2017 on its finding. However, to date, Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt has not disclosed the name of this American firm. Seven years later, on 12 July 2020, Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt promised the construction of the international airport as his parting gifts to Dominica. He now says the studies, which he claimed in 2017 were carried out by the American firm, will be carried out again by a group 
of Chinese engineers. I am very much convinced that the international airport is important to Dominica's economic um, future. Um, we believe that all of the investments that we've made in tourism, that the international airport will help, will help sustain those investments. I believe if we can improve um, air access in Dominica, that would solve a major challenge confronting tourism and agriculture in our country. And um, I, I, I have faith and I have confidence that our country will see an international airport. Um, we, uh, we have not stopped working. Uh, during the COVID period, we continue to work on this airport. And I give you the assurance that um, this will be one of my or one of my parting gifts for this country, an international airport. And I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely committed to this airport and, and to see the airport come to fruition. Likewise, the cruise port, we have not stopped um, the preparatory work on this. The number of, 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 of um, things associated with this airport, obviously, um, report, we, obviously we have been hampered with, because of COVID. People cannot travel to come in to do the necessary um, marine studies that are required and the geological testing that are required. Um, so we have seen where these things are concerned because you need the, the external experts to come in um, with the equipment, necessary equipment to, to do the studies and so forth. Um, and, 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 and so once we can open up the borders and so forth and allow people to come in, um, we will be able to have um, more advancements made in respect um, to these projects. Dominica's Prime Minister, Roosevelt Garrett. This is Q95 News. Is justice reserved for a select few in Dominica? That question is coming from Pastor Randy Rodney as he speaks on the crime situation in Dominica. Rodney was speaking on the Talking Point commentary of the Kingdom Connection program on Monday evening. Rodney questions whether or not if this spirit of entitlement and invincibility against the law contributes to this new level of crime making its way within the country. That sometimes or a large number of the times, justice is reserved for a select few so that the law seems to be aggravated more when certain people do slight crimes. And when other people do other crimes, then there is a, a different look at it. When you look at crimes in a society, and I'm not a criminologist by any means, and I'm hoping that Peter Saint-Jean the criminologist is listening to me, and if he's not listening, he probably will hear that. We need to begin to look at the whole thing. Is there a nexus between a feeling of entitlement that says no law, no constitution can stop me from doing what I want, and the, the kind of thing we see on our streets where young people with their young guys with their bikes or with their cars, whatever, they, they just feel that they can block the road when they want. They stop in the road to chat even if they're parking on the side. Is there a connection between the spirit that said that no law, no constitution can stop me from doing whatever and the feeling and the entitlement of other people? Is there a connection there? We all need to reduce crime in our country. If we are not serious about this thing, one of those days, all the hoopla we do about all the other investments in the nation, we will begin to be thinking differently about them. Pastor Rodney then addressed Police Chief Commissioner Daniel Carbon as he made the call for a more unified connection between police and its citizens, saying that police alone will not be able to stop crime in Dominica. He says it would appear that we are living in a society where depending on who your friends are, you can get away with crimes with just a slap 
on the wrist. Mr. Carbon, I'm throwing that ball right in your court, squarely in your court as the Commissioner of Police, reminding you, sir. And I hope that that's what Mr. Valerie meant, that the police by themselves cannot reduce the incidences of crime. And I'm sure without the help of everybody else, we'll have a serious difficulty in even solving some of the crimes that we have seen here. I ask of you, all of you, to, to, to put country first. Put country first. There are too many variables that are out there loose. It seems as though the, the crime syndicates, the people who are involved in whatever the crimes are, they seem to have relationships with people who are able to prevent them from prosecution, to stop them from, 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 from committing their crimes. They seem to be in bed with people who hold the reins of authority. And we need to find a way to break that. And I'm talking about all, all kinds of crimes. So white-collar crime, black-collar crime, blue-collar crime, orange-collar crime, money crime, government crime, pastor crime, all kinds of crimes. I'm talking about all of them. Because we seem to be living in a society where, depending on who your friends are, you can get a slap on the wrist and move to the next crime. President of the DAEC and the pastor, Randy Rodney. Well-known taxi driver Kelvin Albert says the Prime Minister's recent appointment of two taxi drivers as tourism ambassadors exposes the tourism ministry as inefficient. Albert says tourism is serious business and adds that the Prime Minister, Roosevelt Skerritt, seems to be putting on a show read the advancement of Dominica's tourism industry pre and post the COVID-19 virus lockdown. When it comes to tourism in Dominica, we are badly, badly off. If the borders was open, that's what we all know so. We are badly off. And the Prime Minister too is just putting on a show. If you are hiring two ambassadors right now, two taxi men, which means the team you have in the tourism industry is doing a bad job. So you need new blood. That's what it seems. You have a director. You have the people from Discover Dominica. You have a Minister of Tourism. So if you're going to be hiring two taxi men, to be ambassadors, which means the people doing your marketing is doing a bad job at it. Number one, all the Caribbean islands. I'm always online, I read a lot. When right. people tell me things, I need to go online. We are the only island without a cruise village. A cruise village means you got bank, you got restaurant, you have facilities to keep you occupied and ready. you can normally have between two to three cruise ship dock. And we are the only one who don't have that. At this present moment with the COVID-19, Trinidad is undergoing a new cruise ship village. We need it. The reason why Carnival Cruise Corporation is going to be selling 16 of the ship and the ship they're going to be selling is ship within 2500 capacity and lower. Due to the COVID-19, a lot of the ship going to be operating with half of the capacity. So which means we're going to be having the mega cruise ship, which holds about 6,000, will be having about 3,000. Now, with this cruise ship coming in the Caribbean, we do not have a jetty to dock them. They are too big. So we're going to be left out. That's a big, big problem. If Oasis come, Harmony, Carnival, Sunshine, where are they going to be docked? And most ships now don't want to tend the passengers. They want to be docked, the ship is safe, and that's a big challenge we're facing right now. You're listening to Q95 News. Former West Indies captain St. Lucian Darren Sami believes the Black Lives Matter movement gave the West Indies team extra motivation 
to win the first test against England. Sami has recently been speaking out against racism in cricket. The West Indies won the game against England by four wickets to take the lead in the three-match series. When you have a movement for black lives and you have a black team come to England with everything that's going on, that creates extra motivation, Sami told the Sky News podcast. Both England and West Indies players took a knee before the start of the test. Stocks are off to a mixed start on Wall Street following weakness in overseas markets as investors fret over new shutdowns in California to fight the spread of coronavirus infections. The S&P 500 edged up to 0.1% in the first few minutes of trading on Tuesday. Banks fell especially hard after several of them set aside billions of dollars to cover losses from businesses and consumers who could be unable to pay their debts due to the slumping economy. Delta Airlines also slumped after the biggest and most profitable U.S. airline reported a big loss as the pandemic caused demand for air travel to shrivel. Global shares fell on Tuesday as skepticism set in about the recent upward momentum in global markets given rising confirmed corona cases and pre-collated tensions between the U.S. and China. Francis CAC 40 slipped 1.8% in early trading to 4,967.27, while Germany's DAX was down 1.5% at 12,606.80. Britain's FTSC 100 dipped 0.4% to 6,148, but U.S. shares looked set for gains, with Dow futures adding 0.4% to 26,068 S&P. 500 futures also climbed 0.4% to 3,158. The White House's decision to reject nearly all Chinese maritime claims in the South China Sea added to investor jitters. The world's two largest economies have been sparring over everything from the pandemic to human rights. And that's the Prime Evening News. Here's a recap of our headlines. Dominica Association of Evangelical Churches, DAEC President and Pastor Randy Charlesworth Rodney speaks to China's control over churches in China and their Belt and Road Initiative. Former West Indies captain St. Lucian Darren Sami believes the Black Lives Matter movement gave the West Indies team extra motivation to win the first test against England, it has been reported. And stocks are off to a mixed start on Wall Street following weakness in overseas markets as investors fret over new shutdowns in California to fight the spread of coronavirus infections. These are our headlines. of the hour news as it happens when it happens.